So if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts 19, Acts 19, and we're going to be in the book of Acts, Acts 19, and if you grabbed one of the Bibles on the way in, it's page 927. Otherwise, you've got to find it, or else we've got the verses all over the place here. You'll be able to follow along. And don't forget, the book of Acts is victory no matter what, through our faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's what we've been focusing on. And we're going to really need that when we see what's going on today, today's story. Because today's story, the title is Re- Revival, Riots, and Secret. you got to figure out the last R. There's three R's, but we're going to wait on that one. Revival, Riots, and another R. We're going to see Acts 19:23 to 41. And Acts 19 has been quite a chapter already, right? We already had the Exorcist, you know, the Exorcist movie, which I, you know, uh, you know, the scary thing. We saw the power encounter, the demonic attack, crazy, crazy. And then we saw a revival. Remember the record burnings? Some say, what are records? But remember they burned all the occultic material and we saw the, the effect of that. So it's been just a crazy, the Exorcist, the occult burnings, we saw it all. And then we're going to see what usually accompanies revival. What usually accompanies revival in the Bible and in, in church history, something always, almost 99.9% of the time follows revival. You're about to find out. And after we do this chapter, you might not be so excited. Everybody's always praying for revival, praying for revival. You might not do this after you see this chapter. What follows revival? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for every person who's either here or watching, following, Lord. We know that there's a purpose in our life. I pray that if anybody here has never put their faith in Jesus Christ, that today would be that day. And for the rest of us, that we would grow in our faith and and purify in our faith. And Lord, we just pray that we'd be prepared for communion that's going to come at the end. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to read, uh, first of all, Acts 19, starting with verse 23. And I think I'm going to use here the screen here. About that time, there arose a great disturbance. This is right after the power encounter, right after the revival that breaks out. They burned all the occult materials. All the Christians got rid of garbage in the life. Right after that, this is the very next thing that happens. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers and related trades and said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. And you, he says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. He's, there is a danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia and all of them were rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. 
The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. Can you imagine that kind of a riot? Can you imagine? Okay. Uh, well, no, no, we'll, we'll stop there. <clears throat> Verse 33. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But then, <clears throat> so, so the Jews, I'm just going to say this because I'm not going to deal with this later. They were like, wait, we don't want to be associated with Paul and the Christians. So they tried to defend themselves and, and separate themselves from the Christians. That's why that happened. Okay, verse 34. <clears throat> when they, but when they realized he was a Jew, they shouted all in unison about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls, they can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. After he said this, he dismissed the assembly. Okay, so what follows revivals? Riots. Riots follow revivals. Artemis, uh, the businessmen who represented Artemis, saw the handwriting on the wall. They're going to lose money. What was their real money? Well, I'm sorry, what was their real concern? Their real motive in all of this was money. Money, money. But how did they spin it? They, they, they didn't admit it was about money. They said, we have to protect the worship of Artemis. We have to make sure there's religious freedom, right? That's how they, they spun it, right? Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. So they start a riot. They grab Paul's co-workers. Uh, Paul was hidden away by the disciples. They wouldn't let him come up. They end up in the theater, the theater. And here's picture number one there. It's actually still there. Some of you were, who was in Ephesus? I know some of us were Ephesus, right? Yep. Georgie, uh, Ephesus. And, and you saw this very thing, the picture of the, the theater. This is where they, they yanked them into. That's still there. This is where the riot happened after the revival. Pretty crazy, huh? And they shout for two hours. <laughs> Fanatics. Can you believe anybody would that, be that fanatical? Shout for two hours. Uh, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And we remember, we saw that her idol fell from heaven, landed right in Ephesus. Just happened to fall right there. And, and, and uh, she was the sex goddess. She was a sex goddess. Uh, we talked about all that last week, what went on in the, the prostitution and the temple. If you weren't here, listen to that. Very eye-opening. But she wasn't the sex goddess that you would imagine. She wouldn't be like a, a, a star and a celebrity in America today. She looked like Buddha. Think of Buddha with many breasts, lots of breasts all over the place. That was That's what she looked like. Fell out of heaven like that, okay? Uh, so, uh, we won't go there. But anyway, there's this massive temple. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient ancient world, massive, 120 pillars, 60 feet high, very impressive, and this is where the thousands of, of prostitutes work their trade, men and women prostitutes, uh, we talked about all that last week, how it was filthy rich, literally filthy rich, all right, and uh, the whole world at this time was following her, in fact, Rome had another name for her, Rome called her 
Diana, Diana, that's right, Diana was, uh, was uh, the, the Roman use of that Roman word for her. Uh, and here's picture number two. Here's the temple. One pillar left. Does God have a sense of humor? Does God have, he left one pillar to remind people of the, the, the splendor and the grandeur of the divine Artemis, right? God has a, a, a real sense of humor. And, and now who is Artemis? Who is Diana? Nobody even knows. Nobody worships her anymore. Isn't that God's sense of humor? All right. But revivals and riots go hand in hand. When God moves, expect the enemy to move also. And money is often the trigger that the devil uses. Money is the trigger. We see it with Artemis. We saw it with slavery. What kept slavery going for so long? Big bucks. And we see it now with abortion. Abortion is all about money at the end of the day. You can't believe the money that is driving this, this train. You know, there's been this woman who uh, used to run one of the Planned Parenthoods. I think it was in Texas. She wrote a book about it, and she now is a Christian. And she talked about the money that was made and, and how they manipulated these girls, even doing abortions on girls that weren't even pregnant because they were making money on them. And, and a very eye-opening. Uh, I don't know if you read that. that um, yeah, I can't remember the name. Do you remember her name? Unplanned by Abby Johnson, yeah. It's just a great, and it made a movie on it too, but they, the money that drives it. And then Planned Parenthood makes all this gazillions of dollars on it. It's corporate. And then they give to politicians who depend on that money for their campaign funds or they're flying their, their private jets, you know, to save the environment, they fly jets. So, yeah, and so they, 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 uh, you know, it's all money, which leads us to the next R in the title. It's revival. Riots and row. Revival, riots, and row. I'm going to connect some dots here. Now, I want to say this because uh, it, although Wendy has already done it, we always, whenever we talk about abortion, I always say God's mercy and grace. Lots of women here have, and men have been involved with abortion. You found your forgiveness in Jesus Christ. You found your healing in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't found either one, do it today. Put your faith in Jesus today. Get your healing. Talk to Wendy before you leave. You know, get connected. Get, grab one of the flyers. Because you don't, that's this, God, Jesus, the blood of Jesus covers anything. Anything and everything. You can put your faith in Jesus and be forgiven. You can get your healing and move on. You, you, but but the, the, God's mercy and grace is always there. This is not the dredge up past pains or anything. I just want to stress that, okay? So uh, before we talk about this, but Roe has been overturned by you. Most of you didn't believe me. I've been saying it for years, right? Most of you didn't believe me. Oh, Pastor Chuck, you're crazy. This is never going to happen. I've been saying it for years, but it happened. And I, I saw it coming. I I'm, I'm saw it coming, but I also remember what I also warned you. I said, when it's overturned, be prepared for persecution because that's what's going to follow it because they're going to blame Christians. Thank God they're going to blame us for having something to do with saving babies' lives, right? We, we own that. Uh, but it's going to, that's what's going to happen. But why are they freaking out? Why are they so crazy? You can still get an abortion in anywhere. You, know, you can still get an abortion. It just might be inconvenient. But you can still get one. You can just plan a trip to Disneyland, right? 
plan a trip to Disneyland and get a two-for-one. You go to Disneyland and get your abortion. The governor of California is going to pay for your trip. He's offered to do it. So why are people freaking out? They get a trip to Disneyland. They get a free trip. You know Why? Why the rage? Why the hate? Why the attacks on Christians then? Number one, the reason is because of conviction. It's because of the conviction. Every time someone who, who believes it's okay, here's, here's what we teach and here's what God's word says about it. It's like a poke in the eye. It's like a stab in the heart. They, they, you don't have to have that stab in the heart. You can turn to Jesus and be forgiven. The blood of Jesus will cover it all. We'll cover it all. But, it, but it's like a stab in the heart because they know. The people who are in this rage against Christians know it's a baby. Deep down, they know it. They know that. And, and, it, and it, it just it, it hits them. It also, uh, well, uh, it, it, that, that conviction is one of the main reasons for the hate. I had a young man who was a new Christian when I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for 10 years, a long time ago. And uh, his name was Jay, and he was a new Christian, and, and he went to college. He was in college, and he was in a class, and the teacher brought up abortion. This was long ago, 30 years ago, brought up abortion. And in the, the whole class was, was for it, except for him. Now, there was others, obviously, that weren't, but he was the only one who would speak up. And, and it was, like, overwhelming against him. And, 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 they, and the teacher said, well, why do you say it's wrong? And he says, because it's a baby. Because it's a baby. You just can't deny that it's a baby. That's why it's wrong. God's word says that too. It's a baby, and and so after the class is booing him, and they're all against him, and he's just one against many, right? In this class, after the class, this guy comes up to him with this girl in tow, and she's crying, and he says, "I want you to take it back." He goes, "Take what back? Tell tell my girlfriend it's not a baby." Now you know what happened. Tell her right now. He goes, well, I'm sorry. I can tell her I'm really sorry for her. And I'm sorry I upset her. And I can tell her that, you know, she can find forgiveness in Jesus. But I can't tell her it's not a baby. It's science and God's word. You tell her right now or else. And now the whole class is gathered around out in the hallway, screaming at him, you know, going after him. Hit him, hit him, hit him. And this guy finally says, you know, finally he says, you tell her right now. And he says, no. So he punched him in the face. He wore glasses, knocked his glasses off, punched him in the face. He says, tell her it's not a baby. I go, I can't. He punched him in the face again and hit the other side of his face. What he didn't know is that Jason could have killed him any second. He was an expert, self-defense, black belt, beyond. The guy had no idea. I thought he was just this wimpy guy. He's beaten up. And so Jay said to him, he goes, are you, are you done? He goes, no, I'm not done. And he really wound up to knock him out. And Jay just knew what to do. He just parried the blow. The guy smashed into the wall with his fist and broke his hand. Broke his hand. Shattered his hand. Everybody said, you bully, look what you did to him. Look what you did to him. Right? He just walked, picked up his glasses and walked away. Next day, the guy shows up with his hand and arm cast. And two of his buddies corner Jay. And says, we're going to get you for what you did to our friend. <laughs> what he did to our friend, right? He goes, guys, it's over. He goes, no, it's not over. Not till we say it's over. And they come after him to attack him. 
he took them both down, took them right to the ground, both of them at the same time. Had them down with all kinds of these holds. He's expert. He used to beat up people all the time before he was a Christian. I had to talk him out of that. <laughs> had to say, now that you're a Christian, you can't beat people up anymore. And he says, he had them both in these arm holds and going to snap their, their wrists. He goes, it's over. He goes, it's over, it's over, it's over. They got up and they ran away. But you see what happened? So upset because, because they deep down know it's a baby. And if they don't, I really feel sorry for them. Because that means their heart has been so calloused, so calloused, that they've lost touch with, with God's touch on their heart. And that's one reason why there's so, this rage and hate. The other thing is it's because it's hurting the bottom line. It's, you, you, all these states that are going to outlaw abortion, it's already happening. So it happened in Indiana yesterday. It's going to cut into the Planned Parenthood profits and the money they give to these politicians. It is going, it's going to rock. It's going to cut their money in half. It's a billion-dollar business. It's going to cut it in half. But the main reason for the hate, the main reason for the riots, the main reason for the rage is demonic. This is a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war. God has moved. God has moved. We've seen a great spiritual battle that has been won by Rome being overturned after all these years, 50 years of praying and, and battling. And now Satan and his demonic hordes are grinding their teeth. That's what we're seeing. And that's exactly what we are seeing happen. You watch these rallies that are going on out there. And the things they're saying in these rallies, can you believe what they're saying? It's beyond comprehension. And it's all connected to the sexual revolution. We can have sex with whoever we want and do whatever we want with our bodies and blah, 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 blah. Right? And it's all about the sexual revolution. But did you see who else is there at those rallies? Pride flags are everywhere. Pride flag. What does that have to do with abortion? But pride flags are everywhere. Why? Because it's connected. It's all demonic. The heterosexual, homosexual, sexual sin is very serious in the Bible. It's a demonic. It's all demonic. That's why Harvest USA was attacked. After Roe versus Wade was overturned, uh, uh, Harvest USA has been under, you know, constant, you know, vandalism and, and having to have security and worried about what's going on. Harvest USA, which deals with sexual freedom and sexual purity and, and especially focuses on uh, homosexuals coming out of that life and finding Jesus Christ. Just like we see many people in our church do that very thing. Of all sexual struggles, right? We've all come out of something. And, and, and they, they've, been, they've been attacked. Why? Because it's all demonically connected. And we also see many uh, religious politicians, Roman Catholic politicians that are up in arms. They claim to be Christian, but they've been exposed as fakes. They've been exposed as demonic zombies, just following the God of this age, just blind of the minds of unbelievers, right? Uh, you know, they're, they're in, I thank God for faithful Christian politicians. Some, of, some Roman Catholic Protestants have taken a strong stand. I thank God for the faithful bishops and priests. About half of them are faithful. They've taken a strong stand for, for life. I'm thankful for that. But, but it, it, it's just crazy. These faithful churches are being vandalized. Have you been following it? 
You got to dig. It's not in the regular news. You know, you got to dig. But they're being vandalized. Crisis pregnancy centers, Christian crisis pregnancy centers are being firebombed. It's constant. It's ongoing. And the president has said nothing. The Department of Justice has done nothing. Elizabeth Warren has come out publicly and saying we must close every crisis pregnancy center in in, uh, Massachusetts, but she wants to do it in the whole country because we have to close every one of them. Why? Because they're tricking people into having their babies. They're deceiving people into having babies. You know, it's crazy. And and the, the violence and the attacks. And then we just saw there was a resolution in the House to try to condemn the the uh, uh, the uh, attacks of violence against churches and the pro-life pregnancy centers. And the House Democrats blocked the resolution. Blocked it. I mean, no matter what you believe about this, you would you would think we would all agree that using violence is the wrong thing. But they blocked the resolution. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. This is just the start. We have been they have been waiting. The, the world has been waiting for an excuse to attack the Christians and the churches. This is just the start. They've been waiting for this. In fact, I saw this uh, great, uh, put up that little thing there, something on, I think I saw it on, uh, anyway, I saw it somewhere, where it says, first we over, can you get it on this one or no? Okay, first we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we promote evil, then we celebrate evil, then we persecute those who still call it evil. Is that the truth, biblically? That is the truth, isn't it? And we, but I have good news for you. It's, it's going to get hotter. It's going to get hot. It's going to get a lot hotter. But I have good news for you. All this gives us hope. How could this give us hope? It shows we're on the right track. It shows that we're faithfully following God. As I'm going to connect the dots biblically in just a second. They of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why were they put in the fiery furnace? Because they were faithful to God. And that got them put in the fire. Why was Daniel put into the lion's den? Because he was faithful to God. He went against political correctness and he was biblically correct. That's why. And it shows that we're on the right series. And if you haven't listened to my Daniel series, you better get on the horse because you better be ready. It's going to get you ready for what we're facing. And we just might still see a revival. We might just even possibly see a spiritual awakening. This gives us hope, these attacks. Because most people don't know this. The Great Awakening was a wonderful thing. And everybody talks about the Great Awakening with George Whitfield and John Wesley and Charles Wesley. The Great Awakening, the Great Awakening. It changed America. It saved America after the Revolution. It was a... It was a cesspool spiritually. But do you know what came with it? Riots. Their lives were threatened all the time. The people that came to the, 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 the revival meetings outside, it was all outside. They were attacked by riot rioters with, with clubs and stones. And, and many of the speakers were crippled during the Great Awakening. Many Christians were crippled and, and, and almost killed during the Great Awakening. It was huge attack after attack. We always focus on the Great Awakening, but we don't realize what came with it. 
That's what gives us hope that we're on the right track. Now let's get personal. Kind of connect the dots to our own life here as we get ready for communion. If you are not a Christian yet and you decide to put your faith in Jesus Christ and give your life to him, if you decide to act on John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ and give your life to him, if that happens, don't expect your family and friends to throw you a birthday party. I've been born again. Oh, that's a new birthday party. Let's have a special birthday party for you. Don't expect them to do that. Expect resistance. Expect to be criticized. Expect to be ostracized. The same thing goes for Christians. As we grow in our faith and we're, now we have our salvation, but as we move forward in our sanctification, if you decide you're going to really follow Jesus Christ, you're going to really change. You're going to really take a stand for Jesus Christ. You're going to do that. If you decide to do that, don't expect the world to applaud. Don't expect them to nominate you for any awards. Don't expect it. The, you know, oh, oh, don't expect it. Oh, isn't it great? Isn't it great? Uh, you know, uh, you know, whoever, you know, isn't it great that that Joe here uh, is is not going to get drunk with us anymore? Now we have a designated driver. This is wonderful. We're so happy, Joe, that you're not going to get drunk with us anymore. Don't ex- don't expect to say, oh, we're so great. I use the word Joe. No, no offense to any Joes here. Uh, I'm trying to pick an easy one. Not, no, it's great that Joe's not going to smoke pot with us anymore or pot pill with us anymore or eat those magic mushrooms with us. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers. You are a big help to our struggle with, with helping kids get off of drugs. All right? You're not going to eat mushrooms anymore. Uh, there's going to be more for us. More mushrooms for us. Thank you, Joe, for not eating the mushrooms. Uh, you know, don't, thank you that you're not, thank you that you're not playing the lottery anymore because that gives me a better chance to win. It's, it's not just one in ten million in one chance. Now I have one in ten million chances, you know? Uh, thank you for, for doing, don't expect that, right? You know, and by the way, lottery, uh, lottery is a tax on people who are bad at math, by the way. All right? Tax on people who are bad at math. That's what the lottery is. All right? But but listen, don't expect them to say those kind of things to you. They're not going to do it. Expect a tax. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Don't be upset if it happens that you get persecuted. You know what? Be upset if you're not persecuted. If you have never been persecuted, if you've never been attacked for your faith, if you've never been ostracized or criticized, guess what that means? Connect the dots. You're not living a godly life in Christ Jesus. And especially in this country now, it's got to happen. In fact, everyone who wants... Wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Why? Why are we being attacked? Because you are strange. It's true. You're strange. You're a, now a stranger to them. First Peter 4, 3-4 says this. He says, For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choosing to, choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and so they heap abuse on you. That's why they're heaping it on you, because they think you're strange now. They think you're strange, and and they're right. They didn't change. You did. 
Our friends haven't changed. We've changed. It is strange. We are now strangers to them. We are strange. We, we are not only strange, we have become an alien. Did you know that? If you become a Christian, you are now an alien to this planet. First Peter 2.11 says this. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. We are aliens and strangers. And I'll come back to the abstaining in just a minute. But we're aliens and, and strangers. That's what we are. That's what we are. Well, think, that's what you become. The last time, if you just became a Christian and people are, or you started to be committed and, and now people are starting to like, you know, criticize you or ostracize you, that's because the last time they saw you, you were just Joe. Sorry, Joe. Uh, just Joe. But now you are phone home. You become E.T. You've been you become something completely different. They don't know what you're doing and what you, who you are anymore. They don't know you. And that's the whole point. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's what communion is all about. It's a reminder. Communion is a reminder of this. That we are, that we're to live different. That we're to remember what Jesus has done for us. That if we've put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we put our faith in his death and resurrection, the, the, the body and his blood that he gave on the cross. If we've done that, we, get, we are a different person. Have you done that? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever given your life to him? His body that he gave on the cross, his blood that he shed on the cross for our sins to wash away our sin, to wash away our shame. Whatever we've done is think of the worst thing you've ever done. Washed away. We talked about some of that today. Washed away under the blood of Christ. It can be gone. We can be a new person in Christ. Have you ever done that? And that's what this is a reminder of. Community is a reminder of that. And as Christians, it's a reminder that we're called to be holy. We're called to be different. We're called to be new in Christ. We're called to be like Jesus Christ. First Peter 2.11. Look at the end. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain. <coughs> abstain. Abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Sinful desires, not just acting on it, but even the desire itself, we got to kill it. Put to death, therefore, evil desires, Paul says. We have to kill it because it's warring against our soul. Sin isn't some, you know, it's a little white lie. It's a little white lust. It's a little white, you know, you know anger. It's a little white, whatever it is. It, it, it wars against our soul. And that's why we have to put it to death. And that's what this is a reminder of, that we are all called to do that. We're going to go to communion in just a moment. What it is, we take the, the we have the cups right now. Next, next month, we're going to have an option. You can have the cups or we're going to have the table up front like we used to do. Remember, pre-COVID, we're going to have both options. But they're both good. Neither one is right or wrong. But some people wanted the both options. But what we do is we take we take the bread. We're remembering that Jesus gave his body on that cross for us. When we take the juice, the grape juice, we're remembering that he gave his blood on that cross to wash us all the sin and the shame and the garbage away and make us new. We're remembering that. Uh, we just, we're going to just have, uh, Wendy's going to sing a song. And while she's singing, in a few moments after I pray, while she's singing, that's when you will be able to take it whenever you're ready. 
and then when it wraps up, we'll have a closing song. But um, there's two reasons why you shouldn't take it. Number one, if you're not a Christian yet, you've never put your faith in Jesus, given your life to him, you've never taken that step of faith, then don't take it. The Bible says don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. It's okay. If you're not ready yet, it's okay. We don't videotape. We don't take attendance. You know, who took the communion? Who didn't? We, we don't do that. It's between you and God. But you don't have to wait because you can put your faith in Jesus right now. Going to have a little prayer time in just a moment. The second reason we shouldn't take it is if there's a sin in our life that we won't surrender. Notice I didn't say sin in our life because nobody could take the Lord's Supper, right? But if there's a sin in our life that we are not willing to surrender, we've been convicted, the Holy Spirit's convicted us of it, and we're not willing to surrender, we're not willing to respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction, then don't take the Lord's Supper. Wait. But I hope you do. It's as simple as saying, God, here, here's my hands. I surrender it. I may not have victory of it. It might be a battle for me, but I'm, say, I'm saying I agree with you. I, sur- I repent of it. I ask you to forgive me and help me in my fight. That's all you got to do. Anybody can take the Lord's Supper. It's up to you. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe here today you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you're listening to this and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've never had your sins washed away. You've never had the shame washed away. You've never turned away from your old life and become a brand new person in Jesus Christ. You can do that right now. By putting your faith in Jesus. In your heart, just putting your faith in Jesus. The simple prayer of faith to just nail it down. God, I, I don't want the sin anymore. I don't want the garbage anymore. I don't want my old life anymore, the emptiness anymore. I repent. I walk away from that. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Change me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. My faith in, I'm putting my faith in his death on the cross for me. His resurrection from the dead to give me a new life. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm giving my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something earth-shattering has happened to you. You are now a new creation in Christ. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And you have turned into an alien. You now belong to heaven. Not earth. And God is going to Make you like Jesus. You're going to change in ways you never thought possible. You're going to be convicted of things. You're going to hear God speak to you. You now have communion, not just because you have a communion cup here, but because you can commune with God anytime as your Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of His Holy Spirit. 
And I want to encourage you to take communion today and also tell somebody you've taken that step of faith. Let somebody know. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card. Text me. Email me. Tell somebody so we can be excited for you and help you grow in your faith. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit convicting us? What in our life is he convicting us of? What, what, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. What has been warring against our soul, holding us aback spiritually, keeping us from communion and closeness with God our Father? What has been grieving the Holy Spirit in our life? Maybe you've been fighting and banging your head against the wall, but again, say, God, I'm coming to the communion table again, asking you to forgive me and to help me. I need your mercy and grace. And maybe in your prayer you even need to say, God, I'm going to tell somebody. Sometimes we just need to tell someone to to confess your sins one to another to help break the power of a sin in our life. Father, I pray that every one of us would have close communion with you, that nothing would keep us from the cross. Nothing would keep us from the cross, Father. And we pray for a revival, Lord, a revival in each one of us and in our church. We pray for a revival in Jesus' name. Amen.